0: Good afternoon and welcome or good evening and welcome wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Live. And uh, this will be a uh, rather interesting uh, session because of an interesting uh, circumstance which befell us early this morning as we were preparing our presentations. Um, We ran into a technical issue which effectively wiped out our entire directory with the presentations in it. As you could imagine, this was the cause of some alarm. And this was a uh, all thanks to a uh, typical Microsoftism. We won't bore you with the technical details. Suffice it to say, the OneDrive technology Which is explicitly designed to create a working backup in the cloud such that any catastrophe that happens you'll have a a backup unfortunately their system mirrors whatever happens on your computer and suffice it to say a very simple function did not perform properly, and what happened was an entire directory was wiped. And it was wiped without being sent into the recycle bin, which means it was not recoverable. Now, thank God, we had the good sense of creating a backup on a separate external hard drive such that, and we did that three days ago. And in addition, The file that we had been working on primarily for the past two and a half, three days, those those files, the Word file and the other PowerPoint file, were actually open in the program. So they weren't wiped. So the long and the short of it is we did not lose a month worth of work. We only lost. Well, we don't know how many hours, because we were tinkering with all of the other files that were wiped in the last three days, as we were working on, um, primarily we were working on the the, the last uh, uh, presentation in the series, but we were going back and forth and making some changes here and there, especially as we were working on the narration. So those changes were lost. So as we go through today, some things might not work completely properly and some things might not be synced up exactly properly but that's because some of the files that we'll be working with today are three days old and um but at least those changes those alterations will be relatively minor we we imagine so we'll have to overlook some of those so there will be some little errors here and there and, and and whatnot and so forth so but this is, this is going to be an opportunity for us to show you uh, why we've been so preoccupied with uh, the Atlas Project over the last few weeks, and why we have our presence on Facebook and, and on YouTube and in the blog has been neglected. And um, it's because we've been putting all of our effort and energy into... Um, into the atlas project and into these presentations which uh which we need to save as videos so do the voiceover work and everything else but before we do that we thought well we have an audience at least um why not uh share what we've been doing with our audience and allow for uh them to offer some feedback and offer their own insights into what they what you think might be helpful uh, what you think might be missing, uh, what you think might be useful, and um, we would really appreciate your uh, your feedback so uh, technically there this may be a challenge because um, as we do these uh, presentations, we will have to be um, actually we're gonna have to move our um we're working with two screens so um, somehow we'll have to make this all work Uh, we've done powerpoints before of course but never with a written narration um which we don't really have to read it verbatim but it is useful for us to sync up the um, the topic with the slide. So, we suppose without further ado, we might as well get into it. Uh, so, let's start that up there, and then we can go share our screen, and we'll share this screen. Okay. All right. So, um, a re- what we are going to present is basically an overview of the Atlas Project, or our our life's work, explained, basically. And we can't present it in a single presentation because the file is enormous and powerpoint will just crap out we have far too many graphics and animations and visuals and it's and it would be close to 200 slides now don't be alarmed it's they're not that long there's only about on average there's probably somewhere between one and a half to five pages of text per section so there's six sections in total well seven if you include the introduction that's how far we have got so we use slides in powerpoint very differently than how most people use them so sometimes we'll take five slides over a 10 second period so when we say that there's like 200 slides in that powerpoint presentation it's not 200 slides of narration but because it's so visual um that causes a lot of problems for powerpoint it really bogs it down in memory and so on so we've broken it out into the separate into sections into separate presentations so at the end of each section we'll just have to load up uh the powerpoint for the next section and we'll go through it like that but that also gives us an opportunity to take take a pause if anybody wants to offer any feedback Um, on the section that we just watched. Um, Okay. So without further ado, let's just get into it. So we have the Atlas Project. See your world in a new light and seek the light of the world. Wow. And here we okay so to see your world in a new light first we see the twin pillars of life in balanced union the pillars of the pillars of creation those are the pillars of heaven and earth of the pillars of procreation the pillars of the feminine and the divine feminine and, and masculine and the pillars of love, of severity and mercy, expressed in macrocosm as they are in microcosm, through the many forces and levels of nature, positive and negative, birth and death, physical and metaphysical. It is by seeing and experiencing the currents running between each pair of twins including their alternating currents, that we see the forces that power our world. In the human condition, those forces include politics, economics, biology, psychology, culture, etc., and many more. And within each of these forces, the rhythm of life oscillates. F- for instance, in politics we see a regular swing between the left and the right and under normal circumstances the natural tendency is to achieve a balance uh, a balanced coexistence between the two but when those who seek unbridled power attempt to enforce their will via the extreme left or the extreme right the resulting imbalance plunges the world into darkness. When the forces of darkness rise to dominance, then we see nothing but suffering by all on all sides, the minority and the majority, those who have and those who have not. When we see suffering by all on all sides along the full spectrum of experience we are witness to the law of the pendulum as we swing between craving and aversion never truly able to permanently satisfy either to see ourselves clearly trapped on the pendulum of desire the source of all suffering we need a superior vantage point here At the apex of the pendulum, we seek stillness, consciously observing ourselves and others with compassion. Sorry, uh, lost my place. So, okay, here at the apex of the pendulum, we seek stillness, stillness and the source of all C words, consciousness and compassion. The less we identify as a victim of circumstance, the more the more we spend time in the stillness, consciously observing ourselves and others with compassion, the less we see ourselves as victims of circumstance. And the more we see ourselves as the conscious and compassionate observer of circumstance, we begin to shift from being stuck on the incessant turbulent motion of the pendulum to the still point of C words consciousness, and compassion. It's the difference between being caught in the storm versus being in the lighthouse. With enough practice and patience, we can liberate ourselves from the pendulum altogether, and then we can truly see our world in a new light. Sorry, I messed that one up, but that's because it's a big, long paragraph, and I, I, I lost my place. All right, next slide. When you see your world in a new light, You can seek the light of the world. Yeah, that's that's okay. And to seek the light of the world means we seek self-evident experiential knowledge. Self-evident experiential knowledge is required to seek the light of reconciliation, for instance, between left and right, and see balance return. Seeking the light of reconciliation also helps us see the true forces of nature. To see the nature of true love. See the nature of life. And see the truth and the light in all things. And when we see truth and light in all things, we no longer seek what divides us, such as pleasure and pain, what we have, versus what we have not, nor our beliefs and disbeliefs. Instead, we seek the light which unites us all. The light which is the source of key enlightened enterprises and solutions. Key enlightened enterprises and solutions are the keys to seek essential win-win-win scenarios across the spectrum of human experience. Win-win-win scenarios, which let you see your world in a new light and seek the light of the world. Introducing the Atlas Project, an enlightened social enterprise for the 21st century. At the Atlas Project, we seek the keys to tap win-win-win scenarios, key enlightened enterprises and solutions. These keys are based on the foundation of the two pillars previously discussed the physical world we see and the metaphysical world we seek <clears throat> balancing and oscillating balancing and oscillating between the physical and metaphysical self-evident experiential knowledge of these six keys emerges from the seventh which is the still point and source of all C words, including consciousness and compassion. The first C is consciousness. It is the arch, the strongest form in architecture and in nature. The second C, compassion, is the ark, that which preserves and ferries us through troubled waters to sanctuary. When combined, they are the keys which form a portal to a new golden age of humanity. But we can also visualize it as the pillar of light between the pillars of external and internal worlds. Nikola Tesla said, if you only knew the magnificence of the three, six, and nine, then you would have a key to the universe. The key to seeing, so the key to seeing the source of light, which unites us all. So the key to seeing the source of light, which unites us all, is to seek the keys which unite us all ecosystem advanced human habitat social environmental economic value society engaged electronic democracy sound empowered metaphysical science spiritually enlightened education and culture and individuals observing anal- analogous ultimate methodology we seek the seven pillars which we seek the pillars to the seven keys which unite us all these are the seven keys And these are the keys to the Atlas project. When you see your world in new light, you seek the light of the world. Learn more uh, at theatlasproject.com. Okay. So that took about, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes with all my flubs and stuff, trying to, trying to balance, trying to read the script and like advance the script on one screen and, and advance the PowerPoint on the other screen. So this is going to be turned into a video, but of course, I won't be doing it live on the video. I'll record the narration separately, and then I'll match up the, the PowerPoint, all the animations to the, to the recorded narration. So I won't have all those the stumbling through it. By the way, I've never done this before. This is the first time we've been doing this is for you live. So you're seeing us with warts and all. but this is just the introduction and again as we said we're going to break it out into separate individual videos because nobody has the time or patience to watch I don't know how long the video is going to be but the goal is for each individual video to come in at under 10 minutes so each section should come in under 10 minutes but there's seven sections so if you put it all together, it's going to be more than 70 minutes. It's going to be over an hour, you'll have the whole thing. But but if each individual section is like only uh, you know is somewhere between five and ten minutes, then that's easier for people to digest. Plus, the individual sections might be of some interest to them, whereas other sections might not. Um, so uh, we do apologize for the stumbling through it. But if anybody has any comments to make at this time. Uh, we're, we're, uh, all ears. Like, did, did any of this make sense or was it confusing or, um, Meanwhile, um, if anybody can think of anything to share, that's quite all right. In the meantime, we are going to queue up the, um, The next presentation, which, of course, Microsoft doesn't isn't going to make easy for us. There we go. There we go. Let's. Okay, and then we can exit this, and. Uh... Why don't we... uh... Benjamin says the introduction is, introduction is genius. I think you could try both a female and a male version for narration. Uh, I can't do a female version because I don't have access to female a uh, female uh, voice talent. Um, there's no there's no avoiding that. I, that's that's asking for too much at this point. Plus, I'm not going to have a separate female male version of the video. That's it's an interesting notion, but I can't do it. And if, if I was to have both male and female narrating thing, I would have to have that access to that voice talent all the time, and I, I simply just don't do that. Um, okay, so uh, So we have this ready to go. Um, something's not right. there it is. Okay. so so let's just get into the uh, the, the the introduction like this again, this is a three day old file now so we haven't made the latest changes to it, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, so okay so introducing the Atlas project. we're gonna skip these. This is just gonna be the intro to each one. Um, it's not gonna be as elaborate as all this. Let's just get into the actual, there we go. So the first key we're gonna be working uh, talking about is Ecosystem Advanced Human Habitat or ESA. Which combines the pillars of nature and nurture. They both deal with environment. The first deals with our external environment, and the second our internal environment. In the context of Isa, I keep losing my place on this narration as I try to advance the slides. Um, Forgive me for a moment. In the context of Esau, the pillar of nature relates to our indoor habitat. The freshest, cleanest air, living water, harmonious energy, These elements of ecosystem advanced human habitat have a beneficial nurturing effect on the internal body and mind we inhabit, including benefits to our vitality, our psychology, and consciousness. When we look at our current habitat, we discover the prevalence of sick building syndrome. From off-gassing of toxic materials to molds, We currently live in an ecosystem of polluted indoor air. This hostile indoor environment creates many very real health issues for many people. And the negative effects of sick building syndrome go well beyond the physical effects science sees, creating a host of metaphysical effects, the truth of which science still seeks. So what are the metaphysical effects of sick building syndrome? Uh, So what are the metaphysical effects of sick-building syndrome? Well, that's not working. Okay. So we know... We know that when we are in the presence of positive energy or good vibes, we feel more productive, creative, and effective. Accordingly, when we are in the presence of negative energy or bad vibes, we have a tendency to experience stress, anxiety, depression, and similar states, which reduce our productivity, creativity, and effectiveness. The metaphysical effects of sick building syndrome include energy drain, stress, anxiety, depression, etc., It is possible to reverse the effects of sick building syndrome. Building ecosystems and technology address and reverse many of the adverse conditions of sick buildings. Ecosystems reverse the the physical effects we see and support the positive metaphysical effects we seek. With a high order rainforest ecosystem, We effectively create a space of love the highest expression of nature in its highest potential to nurture this is ecosystem advanced human habitats high order rainforest ecosystems which are indoor spaces of love ecosystem advanced human habitats work on the premise of a central ecosystem and umbilical units, allowing the ecosystem to extend its reach throughout a building. If we take that concept to its logical conclusion, we can create a central shared ecosystem surrounded by residential and commercial units, each containing their own smaller umbilical systems. We call this configuration an ecodome surrounded by peapods. At the heart of the ecodome at the heart of the shared ecodome is a pyramidal ecosystem which includes at its center a meditation and or a treatment room surrounding the scalable central ecodome are residential and or commercial units called peapods. pods These are highly configurable single or multi-story spaces of love shown here being configured from single dwelling homes to bachelor style units. Collectively, this is what we call ecosystem advanced human habitat or ESA. And since you can't spell ESA without A H, the A also stands for affordable housing, which is one of the mandates of Genesis EcoFund, our not-for-profit organization. Genesis EcoFund is a not-for-profit organization whose mandate is accessible education, research, and development of health and wellness benefits related to ecosystem advanced human habitat beginning with vastly improved indoor air quality, and no sick building syndrome to enhance well-being and cognitive function for occupants. This makes Peapod Life Ecosystem Advanced Human Habitat not only advanced habitat for humans, but it's, its habitat for advanced humans. imparting physical and metaphysical benefits in microcosm so as to produce net positive outcomes in macrocosm. Since it, is, since it is easy to say healthy people lead to healthy places and healthy planet, the reality is we alone cannot make it happen. pardon me and the reason is because and the reason is because ecosystem must be at the very foundation of any effort to achieve so-called sustainability that is because only ecosystems have the capability for self-organization of infinite complexity that which we see in microcosm into a state of collective harmony and symbiosis that which we seek in macrocosm. Is there any deeper significance to Esau? This is the Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa is an anagram for my Isis, Mona Isa, my divine mother. therefore isa is a practical expression of the divine feminine force at work in the world the forces of nature and nurture which which we all know so very well by our own direct experience both in macrocosm as well as in microcosm peapod life is the commercial enterprise tasked with bringing ecosystem advanced human habitat to market. Freshest, cleanest air, living water, harmonious energy, and improvements to vitality, psychology, and consciousness. The education, accessibility, and ongoing research related to the benefits of ecosystem advanced human habitat falls on the shoulders of the not-for-profit Genesis EcoFund. And so Isa represents the first of the seven keys to that we seek in the Atlas project. And uh, this is these, this is just the end of the slide That's just the end of each video is going to, I haven't finalized the way each video will end. So that's the end of uh, the first section, or yeah, the first key anyway. by the way um i have access to the comments so at any time feel free to you know jump in or make a comment i can address them at the end or i can stop and uh, address them as we go so uh What's next? We we might have been better prepared for this today had we not had that snafu this morning, Uh, because we had to go through this whole rigmarole of getting the backups and putting them back online, and it was a real it was a real headache. Well, mostly it was a expenditure of time. Okay. All right, let's just continue to the next section then. And let's put this over here. Put StreamYard back up and put our narration back up. Okay, so the next section. So we go through like a little intro to each video, right? which is not going to be this elaborate. It's going to be much shorter. But we get to the point where we say, the second key to the Atlas project is social environmental economic value, easily remembered as V or SIEVV. Ecosystem Advanced Human Habitat is founded on the pillars of well no there oh, okay cv is based on the balance sheet and g- generally accepted accounting principles principles which state that external liabilities and shareholder equity must equal internal assets plotted in plan view We see these elements in the following orientation with one another. When we add elements from the income statement, including revenues, cost of business, and profits, profit and loss, we see all the elements of generally accepted accounting principles. We also see that nowhere are the externalized costs of the system accounted for. We cannot see the costs associated with the external environment, only those associated with the internal operation of the enterprise affecting the bottom line. Just look at the visual aid and see the imbalance for yourself. It is self-evident and factual. Capitalism is fundamentally flawed at the structural level. Unless we can see all the external costs of any product, service, or enterprise, we cannot know its true value. What the market is willing to pay is not an objective measure of value by any true economic viewpoint, this is true and self-evident. Uh, 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 um, this is self-evident and indisputable. Without a comprehensive social environmental economic valuation, unaccounted for externalized costs balloon, and the world accumulates untold quantities of off-balance sheet debt. Enter C valuation. CV or SIEV, a proposed upgrade to the structural foundations of capitalism, which injects recent technological developments, including blockchain, instant access to information, blockchain and ubiquitous instant access to information at the point of sale to empower market forces with complete and comprehensive social, environmental, and economic value. In the same way, we use nutritional labeling to help us make informed decisions about what to put into our bodies and microcosm. So the elements of C-valuation combine to produce the CV label. An objective calculated value of externalized costs of products services and companies which helps individuals at all levels of the economy make informed decisions so as to make so as to the impact they wish to have on the world envisioning the untold trillions of transactions which take place each and every year in aggregate cv will about will allow free markets and the economy as a whole to dramatically alter the outcome of capitalism in macrocosm, because as we know, microcosmic choices have macrocosmic effects. CV is a fle- is flexible enough. Sorry, CV is flexible enough that it can be a- applied to products, services, companies, stocks, and other investments groups of companies and investment funds and unlike any other rating scheme cv is based on the calculation of weighted contributions of objective data points taken from distributed from distributed ledgers compiled mathematically by computer and displayed in real time online with a unique qr code signature that signature can be scanned by any device providing an instantly accessible and completely transparent CV of the product, service, company, or investment fund, with a comprehensive overview of details relevant to the economic decision being made in that precise moment. For decades, companies have been judging individuals on their CV. Well, corporations are individuals under the law. Isn't it Time, individuals have the opportunity to judge organizations on the strength of their CV. CV can also be pronounced sieve. As when a mass of data requires sifting through before it can become practically usable. Sieve also means heart in Hungarian and sieve brings much needed heart to capitalism. Social environment, economic value ha- handles people, planet, and profit with poise. Knowledge is power. Sieve puts the power of fixing capitalism in your hands. But let us be clear, C valuation is not the same as Environmental Social Governance, or ESG. ESG is a top-down subjective rating system limited to corporate entities and investment funds. SIEB works in every element of every level of every supply chain and up the value chain to include companies and investment funds. ESG relies on self-reporting and other subjective inputs, making it wholly unreliable and little more than a glorified marketing public relations stunt. SIEV employs the latest in blockchain algorithms, quantifiable objective inputs in order to produce real C values. ESG is largely self-policing, meaning no oversight or verification. SIEV is verifiable and transparent across the distributed ledger. When it comes to sieve versus ESG, it's really a matter of turning the Titanic in time versus rearranging the deck chairs. And if there is any doubt in your mind as to the veracity of uh, of environmental social governance, consider the corporate legacy of greenwashing. ESG allows for a standardized version of corporate greenwashing for investors. It is an uh, an elaborate uh, PR, uh, marketing and PR stunt. An investor relations stunt. Remember the financial crisis of 2008? Remember the so-called AAA investments which caused it? ESG is just a greenwashed version of that all over again. Only next time, the crash it brings, the, the crash it brings about could be decisive and fatal. What we need is social environmental economic value, a CV to sift through a massive amount of data points and bring heart to the economic system, managing the physical world we see and incorporating the metaphysical world we seek. Atlas information is charged with the task of trumpeting the call for C-valuation. So CV is the second of the seven keys to the Atlas project. And then we have the outro for this section. So see your world in a new light, see the light of the world. Okay. While we're getting through it, um all right we'll just keep going and we'll keep going until somebody has any comments and then we'll stop and take the comments as they come uh let's open the next one which uh it's difficult uh okay here it is Uh, let's close that. All right. Okay. So again, we have the little intro to this section, which won't be this elaborate. And um, we come to the point where we say the third key, we turn to is society engaged yeah let's wait society engaged electronic democracy or seed for short seed is a recognition that governance at the local and state level requires the active participation of individuals they cannot merely remain dormant Right. So, the local uh, level and the local level and the state level—if you liken it to a forest—the local level is the tree, the state level is the forest, but it's all dependent on seeds. If the seeds remain dormant, you have no fo- you have no tree and you have no forest. So, let us turn to the Greeks um, for a moment and ask ourselves. What would they have made? What would they have made of our handheld supercomputers we all carry around in our pockets? Would the Greeks would the Greeks be using their smartphones for the uh, the the frivolous, like Snapchat and Flappy Bird, Facebook and Tinder, or would they be using them for the outrageous? like fake news, trolling, TikTok, and virtue signaling? Would they have used this miraculous device to propagate extremist propaganda and disinformation, or uh, for the, the insidious, of uh, like, like scams, bullying, woke mob mentality, and cancel culture? Would they have used this miraculous device to propagate extremist propaganda and disinformation? Or would they have used it as a practical and useful tool to support and enhance governance of the Republic? To understand better what the founders of democracy might have done with today's smartphones, let us look at a phenomenon known as the Ostraka, Originate uh, or the ostracon, which is related to the word ostracize. According to historian James uh, Sickinger, ostraca originated as a way to get rid of potential tyrants who had in some other way violated or who had in some way or another violated or transgressed against community norms and posed a threat to civic order. In other words, the Greeks had a structured democratic system in place beyond mere election, and they put that structured system in the hands of their citizens. Of course, we too have our own modern political ostraca in the form of woke mobs, cancel culture, and anger-fueled online ranting on social media, which is by any account an enormous waste of time and energy. Imagine what more could be accomplished if instead of wasting all that time and effort on angry destructive effort, on um, angry destructive rants, we had in our hands a platform for constructive sea democracy. For instance, a platform for generating wiki policy. We would shift from the partisan gridlock of Congress to a cooperative nonpartisan platform For progress, a platform for sea democracy at the individual, local, and state level, for where we are as individuals in microcosm to where we need to be as a nation in macrocosm. Now, If the term sea democracy has you seeing red, and you feel that what we need to pursue is a platform for a sea republic, that just makes you an informed seer. A seer of the birthright of all peoples under natural law for a structured system beyond mere democracy, squarely in the hands of citizens. But let us be practical. To seed such a system, we must employ language and concepts as they are understood by the majority of citizens. That means seeding a political platform. That means seeding a political platform. To that end, here in Canada, we have proposed centrist, democratic progress, Canada where you to see democracy and see progress, to seed the future in microcosm so that one day it might be realized in macrocosm. In addition to CDPC, Atlas Information will continue to sound the call for individuals and organizations to come join the initiative to seed an online platform for seed democracy at the municipal and state levels. Once again, returning power to the foundation of govern the, the returning power to the foundation of governance, the individual themselves. Well, that was particularly difficult to get through. All right. So with this, we've covered the worldly aspects of the Atlas project. So now we get into the metaphysical aspects. Um, because again, because the Atlas, ha- Atlas has to do with both pillars, the pillars of heaven and earth. So these are the earthly pillars that we get out of the way first, right? Ecosystems, uh, economics, basically, and governance. These are the three main sections. Um, so now that these are out of the way, we can get into the real stuff, the good stuff. And that's dealing with the microcosm, the individual. It's mostly why you guys tune into this channel anyway. All right. Okay, so let's just exit out of this. We can close this down, and we have to open. All right. So the next section we're looking at try to behave. Okay. Let's get through the uh, intros. So the fourth key we're going to be looking at, we turn to sound empowered, enlightened metaphysical science, biology, chemistry, including biology, chemistry, physics, but also looking sound, which is vibration, uh, energy, and metaphysics. So, we're looking at upgrading biology, chemistry, and physics with the metaphysical foundations on which they are based. So, the nature of the external 3D simulation and the nature of the 4D internal metaphysical foundation. Comprehension of that fact will lead scientists to direct conscious uh, experience of the fifth, sixth, and seventh dimension and result will be an emergence of a truly enlightened science. Materialist science presently exists inside of a frosted glass box and so can do little more than reflect that box. So visualize, if you will, existence inside of a 3D simulation. You exist as a character or an avatar inside of that simulation and observation or measurements you take are of the simulation and thus not ultimately real. Sure, you are also a player occupying the character. Sure, since you are also a player occupying the character, you may be able to glean snippets of the underlying code, which exists differently from how participants experience it. That includes hardware, software, the developers, and the rules or laws encoded in the simulation. Participants experience 3D simulation as a character with faculties limited to the rules of the virtual world, having little resemblance to players' true nature and experience, let alone the underlying code. Consider the fact that as a player, you can lose yourself in the game, that is lose track of reality. You can become fascinated, hypnotized, mesmerized, identified. This phenomenon is self-evident to anyone who has ever played a video game, particularly a game they would call addictive. We can turn to countless examples of people losing themselves in games like World of Warcraft, forgetting to eat, sleep, go to work, feed their pets, or connect with friends and family. Then there are the countless fortunes, large and small, which have been pumped into slot machines one dollar at a time. But the same can be said of those who are completely identified with the visceral thrill of physical experiences and those who are completely identified with their own self-image. These are all examples of the same phenomenon of becoming identified with something which is not real the body and personality is just like a character in a game a 3d spacesuit for our innermost player or true self to experience 3d space if we become identified with the spacesuit in the simulation we limit ourselves to the simulation limited by three-dimensional laws we cannot seek laws of the fourth dimensional foundation thus we can never Thus, we can never truly master the three-dimensional world. But if we can stop identifying with the 3D spacesuit and simulation, we can awaken consciousness. We can seek our true self, our innermost player, and investigate the laws of the fourth dimensional foundation and truly master 3D space. This means, mastery of the, this means mastery of the external comes through exploration of the internal. When we consider the electromagnetic spectrum versus the visible spectrum of light, we discover that 3D reality is a matter of perception, pun very much intended. 3D reality, then there is the, uh, cut a holographic image into an infinite number of pieces. Each infinitely small piece will contain the whole image. Then there is the observer effect, whereby the act of observing a quantum of light expressing as a wave causes it to behave as a particle instead. Ceasing to observe the quantum of light causes it to return to its previous behavior as a wave. Again, 3D reality is a matter of perception, pun intended. Let us consider the observer effect in the context of our own 3D simulations. Namely, real time rendering. The 3D visuals are rendered on the fly only as they come into view by the camera. In other words, 3D virtual reality, like light itself, is a matter of perception. The virtual world doesn't exist in three dimensions until it is called upon by the receiver. Now let's look at at complementary photons emanating at the speed of light in opposite directions from their source. If we deflect one photon, its pair will mimic its behavior exactly. Understanding that each photon is traveling at the speed of light, which is 300,000, Uh, kilometers per second, you might be tempted to multiply that by two, or double 300,000 kilometers per second. But the speed of light is C, constant, including for each photon. But if nothing can fast travel faster than light, and the two photons are traveling away from each other at light speed, how does photon two know what photon one is doing? To answer this, we must observe reality from light's point of view. To a stationary observer, light moves at a constant speed of 300,000 kilometers per second in one second. But if we were to travel at 87% of the speed of light, we would move 150,000 kilometers in half a second. If we could travel at 99.5% the speed of light, we would travel 30,000 kilometers in one-tenth of a second. And if we traveled at 100% the speed of light, we would travel zero kilometers in zero seconds. From light's point of view, there is no space There is no time and there is no mass. Photon two knows what photon one is doing because they are coincident in the zero point. They are one. The photons only seem to move through space and time. Light exists outside of space and time. So what do we make of this so-called speed of light? According to physicist and metaphysicist Peter Russell, speed isn't a speed at all. It is the constant ratio of manifestation of space and time. For every 300,000 kilometers of space is born one second of time. The Question is, can we verify this using another observable phenomenon of light? Let us consider consider physical science and the world of action for a moment in the light of a camera obscura. It is a primitive camera which takes physical 3D reality, which we could call the world of action, and creates an inverted reflection of that reality by the light passing through a small hole in a plate And further, through an infinitesimally small point, which we call the zero point. What in fact is happening is light reflected off off, off reality is being projected through the zero point and creating an inverted 2D projection. This, in synthesis, represents the many created worlds of illusion humanity has devised particularly via photography and film. Of course, to that end, we employ any number of lenses I- instead of a plate with a hole in it. This phenomena seems true enough on the physical plane. Project, uh, the projection is less real, but not due to a lack of solidity. It is less real due to a loss of dimension from three to two in the projection we go from 3d to 2d and that's what makes it less real it is the loss of of a dimension let us observe a similar phenomenon from the perspective of metaphysical science and the world of formation here we begin with the fourth dimensional foundation and fifth dimensional astral plane. Combined, these constitute the world of formation. Passing through the zero point of a dimensional plane, the result is a three-dimensional projection. That projection is indeed more solid. But it is only a projection and not real as was the case in the camera obscura. Reality here is not a question of solidity, but it is the fact that the loss of one dimension between the fourth and the third constitutes the projection of an illusory, illusory reality. In the same way, a photograph or film is merely a two-dimensional projection and illusion. That said, from our point of view, actions in the 3d world uh in the 3d world of action have an impact on the 4d foundation and 5d world of formation it is as the axiom it is as the axiom states as above so below suggests as within so without but in reality all is happening within The 3D projection is just an illusion, a simulation which indeed feels very real to us. This is true on the metaphysical plane and explains every physics-defying properties, abilities, and phenomena of light. But But much to the chagrin of eager New Agers, the story doesn't end here. Beyond the world of formation exists the sixth dimension known as the world of creation. Once again, there is a reciprocal reflection and apparent interaction between the worlds, all passing through the zero point. The world of action is this illusory physical reality we experience. The world of formation is the dimensions where physical reality and our thoughts and feelings about it are constituted and reside. The world of creation is where our experience of the third, fourth, and fifth dimensions is created and resides. In the world of creation exists consciousness, individuated essence of being, human soul, and all forms of experience. Next, we arrive at the world of archetypes, the seventh dimension, including mathematics and geometry. This is the seventh dimension in which exists the unformed essences of all form and objective, unmediated, self-evident experiential knowledge. In other words, the undrafted blueprints The undrafted blueprints of all creation and the unwritten unspoken universal universal truths behind all imperfect expressions of it. From the world of archetypes, creation moves downward through the world of creation, the world of formation, ultimately projected into the 3D world of action, where we are able to experience their infinite expressions, manifestations and permutations. Okay, so this is this is that last part. So uh, just re- repeat that again. Uh, da, 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 da. So from the world of archetypes, creation moves downward through the world of creation, the world of formation, ultimately projected into the three D world of action, where we are able to experience their infinite expressions, manifestations, and permutations. Okay. Beyond these seven dimensions, we enter the domain of the absolute, or the zero dimension. The zero dimension is the absolute zero point and origin of all perceived zero points in existence. All zero points pass through the origin, as anyone versed in geometry will tell you. The zero point on any dimensional axis is coincident with every other dimension's zero point. This fact is reflected in the x, y, z axes of three-dimensional reality. The absolute is profoundly unknowable to itself. So, from the zero point emerges manifest reality on all levels, including the three-dimensional projected universe, which physicists observe and describe as the Big Bang. But in ancient Sanskrit, it was called the Mahamanvantara or Great Cosmic Day. Our capacity for metaphysical science thus depends on what seems to be real to us. There is a spectrum of perception there's a spectrum of perception and identification which relates directly to the level of being that spectrum is defined by dimensionality the lower more dense more wanton dimensions are more subjective more illusory less real the higher more subtle more essential more pure dimensions are more objective more real Intellectual animals who claim to be human beings believe energy, psychology, consciousness, abstract concepts are products of physical reality, the body, and the brain. They are trapped in the world of action, imprisoned by their hume or earth. Intellectual animals who believe Intellectual animals who believe they are spiritual identify with the world of formation, claiming, I am not my body, and believe religiously that their personality and energy body can, quote, ascend to heaven, what New Agers called 5D ascension. They are, like so many believers in spiritual superstitions, trapped in manas or mind. True human beings who awaken their consciousness identify with the world of creation, not intellectually in the mind, but objectively via awakened consciousness in the sixth dimension. Strange how you will never hear any new agers talk about six D anything. They know they have a body, mind and personality, but they also know they are not their body, mind, and personality. They seek seven-dimensional truth, self-realization, direct conscious experience of objective reality. In other words, they are aware and to varying degrees of success have attained a state of union with their being. Self-realized beings and higher levels of being seek union with the Logos. Self-realized beings and higher levels of being seek union with the Logos and ascension into the Absolute. Such individuals achieve varying states of union with the being of beings. From the words Hume... Oh, sorry, from the, uh, the being of beings. Okay, so from the words Hume manas and mind comes the expression human being we derived uh, the we derived the word human being consisting of the physical body vital body astral and mental bodies and causal body the true human being is a multi-dimensional being multi-dimensional human beings seek self-evident experiential knowledge and require a corresponding multidimensional metaphysical science, one which focuses not on the 3D simulation, but on the 4D foundation, the etheric electric foundation of the fourth dimension. What's more, such a metaphysical science no longer relies solely on the subjective theories of mind but instead on objective knowing, self-evident experiential knowledge, what all genuine altruistic science surely seeks. This shift in perception, one dimension to the right, signifies a genuine evolution for humanity. Metaphysical science and genuine evolution of humanity begins with the fourth dimensional science of the Electric Universe. This includes building upon the work of of, uh, people like Walter Russell, Nikola Tesla, Jim Hutchinson, and many others, and many others outliers and black sheep of the scientific establishment, who have rightly been rocking the boat of primitive three-dimensional scientific theory and an outmoded empirical scientific method which cannot see the inherent limitations of its own design. Metaphysical science observes directly via the application of six-dimensional science of awakened consciousness, as encoded in symbols and allegory found throughout history, myth, religion, mystic traditions, high art, etc. Genesis Eco Fund and Atlas Information are charged with the task of spearheading the movement toward a more conscious, sound empowered, enlightened metaphysical science and a genuine evolution of humanity founded on complete revolution of biology, chemistry and physics by virtue of conscious comprehension of vibration, energy and metaphysics. So that was a mouthful. That's the end of that section, okay. Let's go to You've noticed we've lost quite a few viewers uh this is probably more arduous and uh, torturous that uh than uh, we thought it would be um anyway any case where for those of you who stuck around we appreciate it if you have any feedback we appreciate that uh we're just going to keep muddling through it muscling through it as best we can uh this is what we said we were going to be doing so um any feedback we can get but it's also good for us for the practice so i mean it's not an easy task that we've been given and so um well it is what it is so the next section all right so this is the fifth key in the atlas project spiritually enlightened education and culture CC is based on conscious universal vision and actualization through instruction and mediation. They are these are represent the two pillars of the first to nurture individual development and the second Uh, to cultivate human evolution in macrocosm. So to nurture individual development in microcosm and thus to cultivate human evolution in macrocosm. Let us begin by visualizing what we mean by a conscious universal vision. Let's call it a CUV. And, and, And what what is a cuv well it's exactly that really what is a cuv if not a practical humble frugal vehicle that helps improve people's lives if we think of mindless entertainment as a liken it to a four by four we have a versatile go anywhere go anytime vehicle for pleasure seeking and the blockbuster would be a hypercar that is it's a big-budget, impractical performance vehicle for thrill-seeking. An art house production might be likened to an ultra-luxury vehicle. This would be an art house production or Oscar bait. Uh, would be an ultra-luxury vehicle. A prestige vehicle for indulgence and bolstering ego and self-image. Independent media, we would, like, we would liken to a beater car your basic and typically very inexpensive vehicle from from getting from A to B. The classics would be likened to a vintage automobile. This is a vehicle preserved for posterity, appreciation and nostalgia. Propaganda, we would have to liken to a tour bus, a comfortable vehicle for feeling safe and part of a group as you are taken on a trip. Isn't it interesting how similar uh, that is to a school bus, which happens to be an uncomfortable vehicle for indoctrination? All these vehicles serve some purpose, but in truth, only the CUV can be said to be a practical, humble, frugal vehicle that helps people improve their lives. The the, The problem with CUVs arises when they are generic and uninspired. They all begin to look the same, sound the same, and it is near impossible to distinguish between them at first glance. People get bored. But CUVs don't have to be generic. CUVs can be inspired and aspirational, even as they help people practically get to where they need to be. The same is true for conscious universal visions. Every authentic CUV is inspired and aspirational, consisting of an individual inspired and compelled to share some aspect essential to their self, containing insights which are relevant and universal to the human condition, involving some imagined enterprise for others' benefit and enjoyment this is how authentic cuvs help people get to where they need to be in life so via a conscious universal vision the individual in microcosm seeks to cultivate genuine human evolution in macrocosm to accomplish this however that individual must attain a level of self-actualization, meaning their individual development must be nurtured in microcosm through constructive constructive instruction and beneficial mediation. Actualization via instruction and mediation or aim refers to the practical knowledge and experience needed to realize the conscious universal vision. Now, the word instruction comes from the word instructure and is the essential framework serving as a launch pad so the individual and their vision may take flight. Compare uh, genuine instruction to cases where the individual serves the structure, the system. Instruction becomes indoctrination, and education becomes schooling. Master educator and schooling system whistleblower John Taylor Gatto said I've come slowly to understand what it is I really teach, a curriculum of confusion, class position, arbitrary justice, vulgarity, rudeness, disrespect for privacy, indifference to quality, and utter dependency. Genuine education serves the individual, not the system. He continues, whatever an education is, It should make you an unique individual, not a conformist. It should furnish you with an original spirit with which to tackle the big challenges. It should allow you to find values which will be your roadmap through life. It should make you spiritually rich, a person who loves whatever you are doing, wherever you are, whomever you are with. It should teach you what is important, how to live and how to die. It is clear we must aim to seek a better form of education. And lastly, I feel ashamed that so many of us cannot imagine a better way to do things than locking children up all day in cells instead of letting them grow up knowing their families, mingling with the world, assuming real obligations, striving to be independent, and self-reliant and free. And we would encourage you to watch the ultimate history lesson, which you can find on YouTube. The next aspect of aim is mediation. That is enterprises associated with realization and sharing of vision. When we think of mediation, typically we think of a medium or the media, which means a means of doing, communicating, intervening, storing something. But a medium, um, yeah, typically information. Rarely do we think of it in terms of actualization. However, a medium as a bridge between where we are and where we need to be. But that is precisely another definition of medium or media. Media the middle quality or state between two extremes, a bridge. It is from this meaning that the legal sense of mediation and mediator arise. There is another meaning associated with mediumship, that is spiritism. One in contact with spirits, communing between the dead and the living. Also, one who willingly allows malevolent entities who most often appear disguised as resplendent beings uh, to possess and use them. But there is a more common form of mediumship, which we can all relate to without exception. When we are possessed by malicious psychological aggregates, our own egos, which seek to exploit our precious human resources, Egos enslave and hypnotize consciousness and consume our vital energy. Hypnosis and exploitation of human resources in microcosm corrupts private and public forums of mediation, resulting in mass hypnosis and exploitation of human and natural resources in macrocosm. But if a handful of influential individuals can awaken consciousness and follow their spirit, not their ego, and they do so in microcosm, cultivating virtues of spirit over the sins of ego, they can enlighten private and public mediation, transforming them from tools of mass hypnosis and exploitation into a culture of actualization in macrocosm. Spiritually enlightened education and culture is founded on the two C words, consciousness and compassion. Consciousness, which is the source of conscious universal vision, C-U-V, and compassion, which is the source of actualization through instruction and mediation, aim, to nurture individual development in microcosm. and bridge the gap to help individuals' conscious, universal visions be realized for the sake of the evolution of humanity in macrocosm. This is how spiritually enlightened education and culture help us, where we are as individuals, get to where we need to be as a humanity. tasked with cultivating cc our genesis eco fund atlas information atlas arts and no uses okay so that's five down go right to the end here okay so let's go back to the beginning of this, and uh, let's bring this up. All right. Last one. Let's skip through this stuff. And we get to the point where we say the sixth key. The sixth key consist of individuals observing the analogous ultimate methodology or yams which we're going to change this we have to we're going to change it to just alm the analogous ultimate me- methodology we're going to take out the uh the the eo stuff because it's it's we might introduce it at some point but um it's it's just too complicated and already the section is too long so All right. It begins with mindfulness, followed by diagnosis, uh, comprehensive analysis, conscious synthesis, catharsis, and liberation, leading to an increase in self evident experiential knowledge that which we seek. The Analogous Ultimate Methodology is an ongoing process which individuals must actively observe. Alm is founded on the principles of expansion and synthesis on the upward spiral of evolution. Alm also recognizes explosion and implosion, which constitute the downward spiral of devolution. To illustrate these spiral forces work, Let us look at a case study of the analogous ultimate methodology in microcosm. In the human body, if there is an explosion of pathogens, the result is an implosion of wellness along with an expansion of immune system response. Given time and the expanded immune system's successful defense, what follows? is an implosion of pathogens and a corresponding expansion in wellness. Finally, as a direct result of the infection, there is a synthesis of new immunity. That immunity is experience-based and it causes an expansion in the immune system response capacity meaning immunity is an example of self-evident experiential knowledge specifically the experiential knowledge the immune system seeks there have been many individuals observing the analogous ultimate methodology at work in microcosm and in macrocosm throughout history from Plato and Archimedes to Walter Russell and Nikola Tesla. Walter Russell in particular revealed the nature of 4D vortex science, which constitutes the foundation of the Electric Universe, with his insights into the equal and opposing centripetal and centrifugal forces at work. Forces which we can observe working in spiral vortices in the third dimension. That said, the analogous ultimate methodology is fundamentally metaphysical. We can observe the metaphysical nature of the analogous ultimate methodology of life in our own experience. For instance, an explosion of anger can lead to an implosion in our relationships. An expansion of consciousness leads to a synthesis of new insight, imagination, information. These are examples of the analogous ultimate methodology at work in human psychology. Let's take a closer look at the alma psychology by suggesting that if nature in her wisdom created that which we call an immune system to defend the physical body against physical attacks by pathogens, surely nature would have created an analogous immune system to defend our metaphysical bodies against metaphysical attacks by malicious entities. In the physical body, we refer to such malicious entities broadly as pathogens, meaning the cause of disease. Metaphysically, malicious entities have been called many names, including egos, eyes, psychological aggregates, sins, nafs, demons, devils, etc. The immune system is always present and alert, monitoring, uh, monitoring and detecting infection or disease, which literally, literally means dis-ease. That is, the moment we become aware of one or more symptoms. Psychologically, this equates to mindfulness, or self-observation of our mental emotional and physical state it's being ever present and aware of experience of our mental or emotional dis-ease stress anxiety excitability etc after becoming aware of the presence of a pathogen the immune system goes about examining the nature of the infection is it viral bacterial fungal or some other parasite once it determines the nature of the intruder it sends out alerts informing the rest of the body just what it is dealing with. Likewise, whenever we practice self-observation, we need to perform a kind of self-diagnosis, identifying in simple terms what's behind our dis-ease: anger, fear, lust, pride, shame, gluttony, etc. The immune system then synthesizes and mobilizes. The immune system then synthesizes and mobilizes a response. based on its in-depth analysis of the threat. Psychologically, we likewise, we likewise need to perform an analysis of the psychological aggregate and how it went about causing our disease. Next, the immune system goes about eliminating the threat. Similarly, we await the, psych- we await the point of conscious synthesis, the aha moment, when we comprehend how the particular psychological aggregate we are analyzing caused us and others suffer once it has eliminated the threat the immune system then cleans up the mess caused by the offending pathogen the body is freed from the infection the analogous psychological process is catharsis whereby previously comprehended egos are eliminated from our psyche next the immune system sets to repairing any damage the pathogen caused and restoring equilibrium to the body psychologically speaking the consciousness is liberated from the subconscious and is made conscious once more. As previously mentioned, this process on the physical side produces new immunity. Psychologically, facing, comprehending, and eliminating any particular ego brings our psyche closer to equilibrium and produces self-evident experiential knowledge, that which we seek. Some may refer to this as gaining wisdom, greater knowledge and resilience than we had before we learn, grow, and become just a little stronger and a little wiser for having gone through the process. It's self-evident. If nature in her wisdom gave us an immune system to protect our physical body from disease, then it follows Mother Nature would have devised a congruent defensive system to protect our metaphysical bodies from dis-ease. But if medicine... But if medicine is aware of one analogous ultimate methodology, namely the immune system, why is modern psychology largely ignorant of the analogous ultimate methodology of psychology? It is because the immune system is is physical. It is because the immune system is physical and as such functions mechanically, automatically. It is a function of the physical body, and so the physical body itself handles it for us. The alam of psychology is metaphysical, and as such, it functions consciously, intentionally. It is a function of the psyche, and so the psyche will handle it for us, but it cannot do so without our conscious cooperation and active participation. To illustrate what happens when we fail to observe, the AUM of psychology. Let us look at another analogous application of AUM as it applies to computer systems, namely the detection and elimination of malware. We can say the egos we cope with are psychological malware. If we turn off real-time monitoring, if we turn off real-time monitoring in our malware program, we essentially hamstring the entire process. And we are left with a vulnerable machine. If we do not practice self-observation or mindfulness with the Alma psychology, the same process is hamstrung. And likewise, we end up a vulnerable human machine. And what we are vulnerable to is self-interest. That is self-interested entities, malware in the case of computers and egos in our case. And be it malware or egos, they rarely present themselves as malevolent entities. On the contrary, they present themselves as useful, desirable, or beneficial. And because we are no longer monitoring, detecting, and analyzing the internal activity, we are helpless to resist their implicit self-interests. unchecked self, all self-interested e- entities multiply. Malware does so by gaining control over and exploiting system resources. Egos, egos seek to gain control and exploit our human resources in order to multiply. And of course, We know that self-interested entities will not stop with us. Built into their nature is the ability to continue continue spreading and infecting to control and exploit more and more. Malware will spread through networks to to infect myriad other devices to control and exploit ever more system resources. Similarly, egos will spread through the private sector to infect many kinds of organizations. For instance, egos invented the corporation which they have defined as an individual under the law in order to gain control and exploit even more human and natural resources. And let us be clear, all of this is taking place on a metaphysical, subconscious, psychological level. The actual individuals running said corporations may believe they are doing right by themselves and the planet. But because they are not practicing the analogous ultimate methodology of psychology, their subconscious mind is overrun with egos in microcosm. And those egos have a profound influence over every business decision they make which has an effect in macrocosm this is self-evident since no one can honestly deny that self-interest seeks to take control over and exploit human and natural resources on this planet and that self-interest for control and exploitation extends to all aspects of civilization in both the public and the private sectors. And in both macrocosm as in microcosm. So the question is how, how do egos gain control over humanity so completely? If we are not practicing uh, the, the alm of life, the Alm of psychology on the up, upward spir- on the upward spiral of evolution, and we fail to practice mindfulness or indeed any other aspect of the alma of psychology, our egos take control. Instead of mindfulness, we have unawareness, temptation, identification, indulgence, hypnosis, and ignorance. And the multiplication of egos themselves. These constitute the downward spiral of devolution or not being. So how did egos tempt and devolve humanity? It begins with the usual suspects, sometimes called the seven deadly sins. We will simply refer to them as egos. And we start with the mouth of ego, or the, like, like the mouth of Sauron. We start with the mouth of ego. In other words, egos have a voice. For instance, lust creates desire. That is craving. I want this or an aversion, I don't want that. Once it is temporarily satisfied, it is replaced by another ego, in this case, pride, which produces hypnosis through identification, I am the best, and rejection, I am the worst. And once again, once it is momentarily uh, satisfied, it's replaced by another ego, in this case, fear. Fear uses deception, deceit. For instance, rationalization, my security is vital, and irrationality, I am always in peril. Or fear will use pain through the mind, heart, and body. I must have pleasure. And through beliefs, emotions, and sensations, I must avoid suffering. Then, of course, there's the ego of greed and, and its lust for power, which enslaves consciousness. And then, anger, as an example, is one ego which devours our vital energy. It is this insidious game of king of the hill, which defines all dominance hierarchies in nature, and is what plays itself out inside of us all the time, metaphysically, in our subconscious, without our conscious awareness. And it is this game of control in microcosm, which corrupts private and public sector institutions, resulting in mass hypnosis and exploitation of human and natural resources in macrocosm. And although all this may seem self-evident to you upon seeing it presented this way, what may appear counterintuitive is that the very same egos organize particularly anger, fear, pride, envy, greed, and laziness, seeking to destroy private and public institutions. The very institutions that they, that they uh, corrupted. They seek to dismantle and destroy them. But egos don't stop there. And neither do they give up their stranglehold on humanity. Wearing a mask of altruism and social justice, egos give rise to the very tribalism and identity politics that we see today, what they ironically call woke. When what woke really is, is passive aggressive, weaponized victim mentality for redistribution of power to competing tribal groups. However these groups may present themselves and rationalize their merits, the fact remains, they are all just externalized machinations of egos. The very same egos which are responsible for the rampant corruption in the centralized global institutions. These same egos instigated the fall of a decadent Roman empire creating a myriad of warring states and tribal feudalism of medieval Europe. They were the same egos which led to the fall of the high civilizations of the Americas, including the Inca, the Maya, Aztec, Olmec, Toltec, Zapotec, Nazca, Tiwanaku, Wari, and Mississippian leading to the myriad warring tribes of North, Central, and South America. Indigenous indigenous nations, which, despite what revisionist activist historians will have you believe, were in a constant state of conflict with one another. So the question is, why? Why do egos... do this to humanity this is where our script runs out so we'll have to uh, go from uh, just um, improvise from here on because egos work for mechanical nature and what governs mechanical nature is the law of the pendulum what goes up must come down so we have these two pillars of birth and death of growth and decay of maturity and aging of synthesis and entropy of order and chaos of thesis and antitheses. in other words evolution and devolution this is mechanical nature this is the law of the pendulum and egos will p- must apply to both sides of this pendulum as is in accordance with mechanical nature for whom egos work and this is as true this, these laws apply as much to galaxies as they do to individual organisms, including ourselves. And they also apply to the rise and fall of civilizations. All civilizations rise on the alm of life, the alm of psychology, focusing on being and conscious efforts for the expansion of consciousness and gnosis to awaken consciousness and synthesize the inner master and mastery over ego mastery over life and the creation of conscious human nature this this is what builds civilizations individuals pursuing their innermost being their true self their conscious universal visions that build realities that build better worlds but then of course eventually the ego arises late into the stage of uh the civilization and individuals cease practicing um and the ego rev- reverses the process and individuals begin to experience the fall on a massive scale that is enslavement to ego the falling asleep the the explosion of hypnosis and ignorance on the devolutionary downward spiral of effortless entropy the law of entropy which requires no effort It's automatic. We all know it's easier to fall than it is to rise into a state of not-being or non-being, just into the false self. And that is mechanical ego nature. And when we look at the downward spiral, becoming enslaved to ego and hypnosis and ignorance and not being we look at this is what we call the fall and this has been from everything from the fall of lucifer to macbeth to faust and darth vader this is a universal uh story in microcosm told countless times but the same can be said in scripture and mythology in fantasy and science fiction as a universal story of both microcosm and macrocosm. There and there, we see uh, uh, the Tower of Babel collapsing, the, the, uh, the biblical story of uh, Babylon. We have in mythology, the fall of Troy. There in fantasy, the uh, what was recently called the Wheel of Time, um, the, uh, the television version of it. And sci-fi, that's from a video game, uh, Fallout. As, but there are many post-apocalyptic science fiction stories that we can turn to that talk about the fall in macrocosm. All stories of genuine worth warn us that the fall of humanity, as goes in microcosm, so goes in macrocosm. But all stories of genuine worth also give us the keys to preventing the fall. In Joseph Campbell's seminal work, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, um, Joseph uh, wasn't in this book, but he said, You enter the forest at the darkest point where there is no path, where there is a way or a path it is someone else's path. You are not on your own path. If you follow someone else's way, you are not going to realize your potential. He, of course, introduced the hero's journey in that book. And the hero's journey is universal and exists in over 6,500 spiritual traditions, mythologies, stories that Joseph Campbell studied, but many, 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 many others which he didn't, many others which have come since. But what Joseph Campbell didn't realize, that the hero's journey is just another expression as he looked at of the alm of life. And whereas Joseph Campbell identified the top of the hero's journey, the beginning and end point of one cycle as a return to the status quo, as a restoration, uh, the same way that we can think of the immune system as restoring balance or restoring wellness, but he didn't take into account the accumulation of self-evident experiential knowledge but he did say the world has changed. So the the hero comes back to the kingdom, but the kingdom has changed. But specifically, it has grown, it has increased. There is an increase in knowledge, in gnosis. In other words, each and every revolution of the heroic journey represents a spiral an outward spiral an expanding spiral an expansion and a synthesis an expansion of knowledge Mm. and a synthesis of wisdom on the upward spiral now if we look at this and cut off its sides that spiral looks a little bit like a ladder that's jacob's ladder sorry that's dante's ladder and jacob's ladder That's also the ladder of the accumulation of experience and levels and everything from Dungeons and Dragons. But it's also the descent and elimination of monsters and and, uh, demons uh, in mythology, Perseus. uh, Perseus who uh, fights... Theseus fights the Minotaur and Perseus fights uh, Medusa. We might have gotten that backwards. And of course, the spiral applies to all organisms It, aspire, it, it applies to nature and macrocosm on the planet. And it, is, it, it applies to even how galaxies form and behave. So our personal story reflects the hero's journey. life is baffling. We need challenges, struggles, and suffering just as water flowing through baffles becomes more structured as it faces those baffles and overcomes those baffles. So too, the, is, is our learning process. We have um, challenges, struggles and suffering are needed. So we have something to overcome in order to gain self-evident experiential knowledge. Right? Whether it's water flowing through baffles that structures the water and makes the water a living water, more alive, more able to, more beneficial in every in every way, so too our life has to have difficulties and obstacles that we overcome. And as we overcome them, we gain, we grow, we become better. So in life, as in chess, our opponent is our adversary, but not our enemy. So what it takes is a handful of awakened conscious individuals, this is a repeat of a previous slide, following uh, not ego and microcosm, but their being and the virtues of the being in order that they may enlighten the private and public sector and transform mass hypnosis and exploitation into a culture of actualization of Aum in macrocosm. Oh, this is uh shouldn't be like that. Anyway. So That's that's pretty much it. Um Let's uh yeah. that was really rough that was uh the first time we had actually ever tried to present any of this live so and we're working with files that we haven't like we say were three days recovered so um this is where we again open it up to any comments to those of you who were able to stick it stick it out oh and by the way i we um Here's the link. If anybody doesn't want to waste their time typing stuff, and uh, you want to jump on, there's the link. Feel free. We should have we should have prepared more water for this. Okay. Um, We still have another section to go with uh, self-evident experiential knowledge and the outro to the whole thing it really shouldn't take this long for us to do it it's just with all the different technical issues and whatnot and so forth it'll go it'll go much more smoothly i hope when the uh when we properly recorded everything and all the technical stuff works smoothly plus when we had an opportunity to go through it and practice it and rehearse it because we've been, this is a complete and total dry run. Um, but we hope you've gotten the gist of where we're coming from and what we're looking for really are any comments that you might have in terms of the use of language, the use of visuals um is anything do you think is it is anything going over your head or is anything patronizing or you know it's like we're just seeing if we can get any gauge any feedback um is to any general impressions or advice or or because oh like we said we, we we're going we're following i mean i'm following my intuition on everything so i'm doing what i'm more or less told to do but at the same time it's i'm not i felt that um i've i, I come from the theater my background in theater and in improv and in workshopping, collective creativity, has always uh, moved me to a place where we would rather work in a group of people or have a collective coming together and see because because we can together we can create we can achieve more. That's what team means. Together, everyone achieves more and we've been working on this um nonstop for what amounts to about a month and we've been going through very various iterations but mostly we've been struggling with getting powerpoint to do what we wanted it to do visually and getting the animations and everything to and, and getting those videos incorporated and getting that working properly and then getting to a point where the powerpoint presentation was too large too big and it was starting to bog down so we had to separate everything out and so so there was a lot of uh there was a lot of um there's a lot of time eaten up with all of that but what there was also we were trying to do is distill down as much as we can, the the message kind of like to the essential pieces of information, the the, the things that people need to know, that humanity needs to know. What, What is wrong? Like what's behind all of our problems? And what are the ways that we can fix it? Or at least, and even if not, we don't fix it, the whole thing, because we can't. Let's be real. We can't we have to be realistic here. We can't be naive. But these are the principles, the principles of the Atlas Project. These keys that we outlined. These are what are going to govern whatever pockets of humanity are going to constitute the ark. In other words, these, these are what are the seeds for the golden age human beings, true human beings, practicing the analogous ultimate methodology who are who are aligning themselves to the upward spiral of evolution and working consciously towards an evolutionary trajectory. Whereas everybody else can be on a devolutionary trajectory, everybody can do what they want. But we need to have a concerted effort by significant population uh, a significant portion of this humanity and that includes those who are currently are in positions of uh, power that's why we use the the image of tony stark uh, as iron man because there are plenty of people in power and authority with resources and wealth and influence who are terrified they're building bunkers they're buying islands and building bunkers and hoping for the best but nobody who takes that approach is going to survive the end of the kali yuga and and earn themselves by themselves a place in the golden age it can't be done that way it has to be done internally this is a this is a it's this is what we were trying to get at and why we spent the better part of the metaphysical science section talking about the dimensionality and the, the actual foundations of reality that, that this three-dimensional reality is just a it's just a projection it's, it's, it's an illusion if we don't do the work inside nothing of what we do out there matters nothing what ma- what difference does it make what kind of building you put on a cr- on a crappy foundation if the foundation is going to be destroyed if the foundation is weak it doesn't matter what you what it doesn't matter what you build on that foundation it doesn't matter how great or how strong the building is if the foundation is weak the building will not stand it will not survive and neither will this humanity so all these physical, all these preppers, you know, these doomsday preppers, the ones who build bunkers and have like their bunkers is filled with like hundreds of thousands of cans of Campbell's soup and millions of rounds of ammunition. They've watched Mad Max one too many times. They played Fallout one too many times. All right, finally, some someone has something to share. (laughs) It's been (laughs) Benjamin says thank you for showing us a preview of your life's work. It is truly enlightening. And I hope that I uh, that a lot of people will learn and benefit from it. For me, it is already easy to understand and concise. I think other spiritual wisdom seekers might appreciate it too. Because we see that society is slowly degrading and humanity devolving spiritually. These principles are uplifting and inspirational so that people will be encouraged to seek self-evident experiential knowledge. All right, well, okay, well, we've got, uh, okay. that's all we really have for you today. Um, we thank you. Those of you who stuck it out. Um, and, uh, and, and suffered through it <laughs> very rough, <laughs> cold reading, <laughs> uh, an unrehearsed cold reading of, of what amounted to a nearly two hour <laughs> presentation. <laughs> um, Suffice it to say, we we needed this. We needed this. And so, if nothing else, um, if you didn't get much out of today's live stream, at least take heart in knowing that we got a lot out of it. Because it's not the same for us to sit here and read to ourselves, right? It's not the same as doing it live in front of a real audience, real people, because even if you're only listening in the background or you're doing something else, whatever. From our point of view, you're real people, and and we're we're trying to uh, make it so that that it's for your benefit. So we're we're coming at it from that point of view, and 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 that. That helps us in 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 uh, how we how we uh, it increases the the weightiness, the urgency, the intensity, and it makes it real. It makes it real. Because us sitting here reading it to ourselves, we can do that all day, all all night, and and it's not the same rehearsal is rehearsal and a real audience in a rehearsal having like directors people to to give uh uh, feedback that's what matters Jennifer says this project looks amazing and I appreciate you sharing this with us I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes from here we're we're looking forward to it as well um we have a hard deadline of uh of Our birthday is on June 2nd. And we have a hard deadline to have these videos done and up, and not only on YouTube but also on our website, and also packaged and uh, presented to uh, literary agents because what these videos are really describing are the contents of the book the atlas project which we are going to be pitching to literary agents which we would hope they will be willing to take on and pitch to to publishers and the whole reason for us uh creating these videos is to illustrate to the publisher and to the agent to literate to the uh, literary agent that we want to incorporate this um elements of, um, what are they, augmented reality. So when people are reading the book, when they come across a visual aid, they can scan a QR code and bring up a video that'll walk them through that aspect of the book. So imagine if these individual slides are peppered throughout the chapter. But it's not just these slides. But imagine there would be like a 90-minute documentary for each section instead of a five-minute one. But that 90-minute documentary, or that 70-minute documentary, or 60, or however long, all those sections are are broken up into little short four-minute videos, or like long enough, just just long enough to fit on TikTok. And, and to be reels, right? To be reels on, on YouTube and or in shorts, right? Just little short, little little snippets of content. And then as the person's reading the book, they can scan these QR codes and get visuals, but animated, animated and narrated visuals augmenting their book as they're reading it. So it's it's incorporating this like augmented reality aspect to it um because visual aid is an absolute essential aspect of the atlas project that's going to be section seven uh, uh self-evident experiential knowledge and see visual aid which is which really every section talks about seeking right self-evident experience experiential knowledge because it's the foundation it's the nucleus of everything and Visual aid is well what you experienced, right? The way that we do those slides, the way that we do PowerPoint, right? We do not, we did not have bullet points, right? And for the most part, we weren't reading what was on the slide, except for you know reading out like titles and and keywords and so. On. But but and uh, and when we were reading quotes. But generally speaking, how how you can see how we use PowerPoint versus how other PowerPoints that you've seen in your life. And, um, and it is on this basis that, that why we're doing this is because we want to pitch this and sell this concept uh, so that we can gain some support. Hopefully that a publisher will be willing to step up and, um, and offer an advance so that we can so that we don't have to do it alone so that we can get in a designer um and get in some help to do those visuals to do the animation parts so that we can focus on writing the book and uh, that we can do the visual aids in a rough form right and then we can give it to a designer and an animator who can then take that and then build it using better technology We would do the power, we do the PowerPoints that we can use as the author when we have to go and do public speaking tours, when we have to give live presentations, then we will have the visual aids in a form that we can use them in PowerPoint. But for future videos, we can then give it to someone to do to create a professional looking uh, video version of it. So that's where we are at and um and again our hard de- deadline is to have this done which that deadline is you know where we have two weeks to finish and and uh, the way things have been going that has been uh that's going to be a that's going to be a tall order but we think we can do it and um we thank you for uh for being here today if anyone has any questions or anybody has any other um, impressions or feedback or any suggestions or anything else to offer we're all ears um, otherwise thank you again for, uh, for being a part of this today and, and uh, this was very useful for us again we apologize if you didn't get the same value out of today that you are used to getting from one of our live streams but if you meditate on the big picture of what we're talking about here, about, you know, who, who, we, who we really are, and what we're doing, and what we're trying to do with this, and why we're doing it, this is our CUV, this is our conscious universal vision for humanity. For the evolution of humanity, for the seeding of the next humanity. This is our vision statement and mission statement for the Ark, which is the Arch and the Ark, based on consciousness and compassion, the C words. So, This is all about you, you and your family, your children, your children's children. Um, So for being here today and listening and and being a part of uh, uh, and helping us in the way you did today, well, we thank you, but you're helping yourself. You're making an investment in the future because that future is going to be filled with peril. It's going to be filled with ordeals and a lot of struggling and a lot of suffering for a lot of people. And this humanity is not prepared for it. We're not prepared for it in microcosm and we certainly aren't prepared for it in macrocosm. And that needs to change. And someone needs to carry the burden of that, carry the brunt of that. And and someone has to offer this humanity a solid foundation and that foundation is metaphysical someone has to be the one and i'm not you know being chicken little running around saying the sky is falling that's not the that's not the point of the message but the point of the message is that it's time for this humanity to uh to to wise up to wake up and wise up because it's it can't continue this adolescence this 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 childish animal-like adolescence it can't continue on this way and it won't and it won't and certainly uh people who choose to continue that way that's their choice that's their choice but they won't have a place in the golden age. They won't. Benjamin says, always grateful for the knowledge you share. Thank you. You've discussed earlier that various that, the earlier that various dimensions. How can we build more treasures in heaven, as the Bible put it, or in the higher dimension? The way to do it is the practice of alchemy, the transmutation. Of the lower bodies the lunar bodies into the solar bodies so by practicing self-observation and self-awareness practicing your pranayamas but mostly it's observing yourself and meditating on your egos it's practicing the alm of life the of psychology that's why Aum is so prevalent in the atlas project because it's it's the key it is the key to evolution Because if you're not practicing the Aum of life and, and working with your innate psychological immune system, if you're not working positively with it, if you're not cooperating and actively with intention, comprehending your egos, your shortcomings, your vices, your defects, then they are actively seeking to control and exploit you to multiply themselves so if you are not actively seeking your own individual evolution of your consciousness your egos are seeking your conscious devolution and all of that's happening in your subconscious mind so you won't even notice for the most part that it's happening like most people so Uh, Self-observation, self-awareness, transformation of impressions, and transmutation of the sexual force through pranayama, through white tantra. All of this falls under the broad umbrella of alchemy. The transmutation of the lead of ego into the gold of the human soul. Transmuting the lower self into the higher self the creation of the solar bodies by transmuting the lunar bodies into solar bodies. And we have lots of material that we have shared with you in past live streams. They're all online, Atlas Live Archive on YouTube. They're all there. All the videos are there except for the the couple that YouTube took down for whatever violations that that they, they, uh, they hit us with. But the the stuff on alchemy and transmutation, it's all there. And in addition to that, there's plenty of resources, go to glorian.org And you can do the you can listen to the course on alchemy there. There are plenty of resources available to you that explain exactly and precisely how to do what you're asking, because the treasure of the supernal worlds are your golden bodies it's the human soul your your uh uh your solar astral body solar mental body solar causal body solar buddhic body solar atmic body and all of that is a process of alchemy they're solar because they're of the light and they're solar because they're golden and that's what alchemy means transmutation of lead into gold the lead of your animal lunar egoic self into the gold of your human soul and your higher self i hope that answers your question in a short way because we can't of course give you all the details but we've given you all the details already we can't we can't uh um so benjamin says thank you for that We uh, also, we need to practice right thought, right intention, right words and right action. Um, Yes, but our feeling on all that is that that comes naturally. If you focus on your higher self, you focus on your intuition. Remember, we had the, that that uh, we gave that that live stream on how to serve and who to serve. If you if you say to yourself, "I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to decide what is the right action, what is the right thought, what is the right intention," because remember, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. What are the right words? What is the right action? Do you think I'm the one deciding? Do you think I decided what was the right thing to put into this presentation? I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to write the book. I'm not qualified to make the presentation. I'm just a servant. I'm just a vehicle, I'm just a vessel. It's Atlas who does the who who, who is the the, the, the the true hero. Atlas is the one. I do what Atlas tells me to do. And Atlas does what the logos tells him to do. So focus on that. F- meditate. Pray, focus on connecting with your higher self, follow your intuition, follow your gut, follow your heart. The right thoughts, the right intentions, the right words, and the right actions will follow. They will flow through you once you get out of the way of them. And then, guess what, Benjamin? You can have a sigh of relief. You can let go and let God. You can say to yourself, oh, I don't have to worry about right thought, right intention, right words, and right action. I don't. I have enough to worry about. I can't go through life worrying about what the right thing to do is. That's That sucks all this energy and effort and everything, everything, everything else. And I'm not qualified to make that decision. I will never be qualified to do that. But what I am qualified to do is be a humble and a faithful and a loyal and a dedicated servant to Atlas who is qualified to say the right things and do the right things. And he's doing them through me. That's what I'm qualified to do, is get out of the way of Atlas. And that's alchemy. Because Atlas is my treasure. The Atlas Project is my treasure. It is my, it's, it is the, the actualization of the Atlas Project is my self-actualization. You see? It's, it's everything that is in the presentations that we gave you today we can verify by our own direct experience. We know everything that we shared with you because it's it's what we know by direct experience. Because our conscious universal vision, the Atlas Project, is for the sake of evolving humanity. Just as Beethoven's Ninth Symphony and all of his music, was for the sake of evolving humanity just as wagner just as shakespeare just as all the greats and all the uh uh, the renaissance masters and all these individuals throughout history that have performed great works whatever in whatever field that they were in be it science medicine history archaeology art music Theater, literature, architecture, politics—you name it. These are these individuals that we, we 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 stand in awe of. It's because they were self-actualized. They got out of the way their true self, their being. That's how they knew what to do and what to say and when to say it. Wasi Townsend said, great to see you. Awesome work. Oh, thank you. Jennifer says, thank you. I got much value out of today's live stream. As always, I'm going away with a renewed determination to live my life in a better way. I'm, I'm glad, those, those words warm my heart. That's why they say, you know, you have to live by example, right? And yes, we have this live stream, and yes, we have our blog, and yes, we do what we do, but we also are doing this. What we do is a small part of this bigger thing that we are doing. And because we are Atlas in formation, and we are sharing with you, like today, our process, so that you can see the struggle is real. <laughs> the struggle is real. It's not just all, you know, uh, uh, roses and 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 rainbows. It's 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 a struggle. It's it, I'm you know it's not all always this polished and beautiful and smooth sailing it's when we're dealing with technology when we're trying to bring the divine and bring it down to this level to this cold mechanical physical world we're trying to bring that light into the world it's a, it's a real it's a real struggle and look at beethoven look what look what the struggle that he had to go through he was going deaf And he was chart, he's the master of music for this planet, and he was going deaf. That was the burden, that was the obstacle, right? To make his life baffling, to make his heroic journey baffling, to create that gnosis, that which he which self-evident experiential knowledge. How does one fulfill the task? Of master of music for humanity, when one is stone deaf, how does one write the greatest piece of music, the Ninth Symphony? How does one write the crescendo, the the the, the absolute pinnacle of one's life life's work, when one is deaf? That's so. It's not about living your life in a better way. It's about living your life, period, full stop. It's about being, what you can be, what you're what you are on that metaphysical level, on that deepest, that deepest, highest, most intimate level of your being. And that beauty and that wonder and that joy and that light and that resplendence. That, that CUV, right? That conscious universal vision that only you, only you have. And if you don't have it, it's because you haven't been listening for it. You might have been looking for it. You might have been searching for it. Out there somewhere. And you might have missed the signs all around you. Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss, follow your bliss. There is something that everybody does that they connect with that gives them a sense of bliss, that it gives them a sense of completeness where you're totally at home. You're totally comfortable. You're totally comfortable is not the right word. You're totally at home. You're alive. You're alive in a way that you're not alive doing anything else. That's your bliss. Follow that, Joseph Campbell says. Keep pulling on that string, because that the more you pull on the string that's connected to your heart. In other words, we even have that expression of heartstrings. You pull the more you pull on your own heartstrings, the more it's going to lead you to your heart, to the center of your heart, and in your heart, in the Adam Noose of your heart, is your being, your innermost. And he has all the answers. He has every secret that you have yet to uncover about yourself. And he knows why you were put on this earth. Because you were put on this earth to serve him and his vision and his purpose. So meditate and pray. Pray to your innermost. Pray to your divine mother. Say, I am here. I am ready to serve. Make that determination and the rest will fall into place. We promise you, we promise. It won't be easy, but it will start to flow. But that's the only determination you need to make. That's the only promise uh, you need to make is to yourself. Okay. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Anybody else want to chime in or sh- share your feedback? Um, if not, again, we thank you. And uh, we look forward to uh, next time. Um, we, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will let you know on Facebook or uh, certainly on YouTube Anytime anything goes on, if you have subscribed to our YouTube channel or if you're following us on Facebook, then you obviously, you should get a notification. But if you subscribe to uh, us on YouTube and you click the notification bell, YouTube should send you out a notification once these videos go online, if you're interested in seeing the, the final product. It won't be the final product, it'll, it'll be the temporary temporarily final product, let's put it that way. Okay. So thank you all again. Um, if there is a, let's see, where are we? Okay. If there are no more comments or questions, or then we will uh, bid you all good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you are. And, um, uh, We'll see you next week, and inverential peace. Thanks, everyone.